Listeners, I'm afraid I must inform you of an extremely unfortunate event. Several of them, in fact. So many that we've decided to create a podcast to chronicle them all. But if you're interested in well-produced podcasts with celebrity guests, you would be better off listening to something else. There will be no famous people on this show, and only the cheapest editing software will be used. There won't even be a Squarespace ad. For those of you brave enough to stay, welcome to our perilous podcast discussing a series of unfortunate events by Lemony Snicket. be forgot and your book list be full Ooh, almost there let all your tbrs be filled for it's a miracle last uh, miracle-tastic podcast i fell okay. off at the end there got, just got riffing there. <laughs> that was good <laughs> thank you it's new year's it is new right year's, now hence the old lang sign yeah Parody? Par- parody? I'd, it might be generous. Uh, yeah, that's I, why. It might be mad ramblings. That's why you put a question mark at the end of that. This is very exciting. Uh, I love doing this. We did, this is our second New Year's special. We did one on our last podcast, Why Lit. Yes. And we're doing it again. We're going to make it a tradition. Tradition! Yeah. So basically, this is us wrapping up the books R- that ra- we've read in the year of our Lord 2022. Our Lord being Satan. Yes. Thank you. Being Satan. Mmm. Being Satan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a little inside joke just and I have about beans. I don't even know if I fully understand it. I don't I don't think I do either. Uh, we're gonna go over our book stats, we're gonna do the Goodreads, and we're gonna talk about our top five favorite books of the year, and then we're gonna cover some a few other things. And which is kind of fun. So hope you guys enjoy. We uh, love doing this. We're very excited about this episode. Yeah, we love talking about books and definitely the books that we've read. Exactly. Start with our Goodreads stats. Yeah. So this year, I bumped up my numbers a bit from last year by two. Okay. I did 52, so book a week. That's a perfect one. It's a fun one. It's very easy. It's a nice challenge. But I got 52 books, 1,800 18,345 pages. Excellent. Mm-hmm. And so, respectable. Yes, that is respectable. Okay, so this year I read 100 books. Last year I did 69. <laughs> Hell yeah. But um, I decided, you know what, I I can do 100. So um, I did. It was difficult. And uh, mm-hmm. it was a total of 40,332 pages. Wild. I tend to read not fantasy mm-hmm. which you know that packs in the pages i feel like it really do they really uh they don't cut a lot out no <laughs> and of course you did 100 books in honor of your favorite band 100 gex that is not why i did it oh i just assumed i just said that's a real nice number it is a nice number <laughs> and so next up our shortest book my shortest book was a nice trim, 64 pages, and it was The Yellow Wallpaper by Charlotte Perkins Gilman. You guys may remember that from my Halloween uh, spooky books episode, my solo episode, where I recommended that book. It's a great book. I read it in like two hours. It's so fun, but it's such a good read. 
So my shortest book was 56 pages, and it was called The Witch's Wolves. It's, mm. um, it's a novella. Mm-hmm. And More it's like by, a novella, am I right? Well. Remember that joke? Yeah, I do remember that joke. And it's by Ellie Mae McGregor. Mm, McGregor. I barely even know her. My <laughs> longest book was a uh, hefty 1,614 pages. <laughs> And that was the rise and fall of the Third Reich, which I will be talking about more later in the podcast. Don't you worry. That's outrageous. But it is a tome of a book. (laughs) Well, you definitely have me beat there, even Mm -hmm. though I have you in the overall pages. But uh, mine was pretty up there, too. It was uh, actually the most recent book I've read, and it was 1,242 pages. Nice. It's pretty impressive when you read 100 books this year. (laughs) Yes, but like about an average book length for me, less than your biggest book. That's insane. Yeah, it's it was it was a lot of book. Um, And that book is actually it's the Sorrow and Starlight Zodiac Academy number eight, right? uh, By Carolina Peckham and Giuliani Valenti. Wait, Mm -hmm. no, Suzanne Valenti. Mm, Very different names. Yes. Uh, my average book was 352 pages. Mine was 403. Sounds about right. Yeah. And my most popular book, uh, not very interesting, but again, it was Great Gatsby. I mean, that's just well, it is a popular book. It's a popular book, and it's for good reason. Basically, you know, required reading in high school, so it's going to be up there. Yeah. Uh, Mine was Verity by Colleen Hoover. I was surprised by that. I thought it would be one I'd heard of. No, Coho is super big. She's like the yeah. She's the one that James Patterson was upset because she's got a lot of books in like the top. Oh, like bestsellers. Yeah, that's right. Like James Patterson hasn't had enough time in the bestseller list. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that man needs a hit. No, he really. <laughs> <laughs> My least popular book was *The Daring Life and Dangerous Times of Eve Adams* by by Jonathan Ned Katz. Um, that was a book about Eve Adams. She was uh, uh, this woman in the twenties who was pretty openly gay and ran oh. like cool like club. The book was pretty disappointing, but her life is pretty interesting, but mostly sad. As you can imagine, she ended up being deported and all that. So, you know, it's just a bummer. But not, not a lot of people read it but me. Mm. Mm. Um, my least popular um, <laughs> was kind of a lol read. Um, I thought it sounded absolutely ridiculous. I, and I'm and shocked by this result. This indeed, was it was ridiculous because it was probably the worst read that I've had all year and just I, I refuse to believe that was all downhill it's called boogeyman booty call by Harvey Alexa if you know me in real life no you don't <laughs> just wild but I wild. said what in the world what is he, I still like don't even what is a boogeyman he's a monster that scares children <laughs> but, like, but he's, he like couldn't scare this one kid it was basically like Sully in yeah how he's supposed to scare children but boo doesn't get scared only he gets with boo's mom oh okay that's essentially what it becomes but there's like a dating website involved it was not good absolutely wild if you bring that up on kinky and thinky i will not be reading it well i think i'm only going to be bringing up good books yeah so we'll see if we do enough episodes we might start digging in the trash oh it's a really bad one And our final stat, this one is not actually from Goodreads. I just did it because I think it's interesting. I had my 52 books were divided into 39 fiction and 13 nonfiction. I read more nonfiction than fiction last year, and I really wanted to flip that. So I think I did a good job of that. No, I think that's a solid mix. Um, I did two nonfiction 
in mm-hmm. 98 fiction. What was your second nonfiction? Uh, Persepolis. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Because I know you read that in the Anthropocene Review. Yep, and those were the two. All right. Very fun, very exciting stats. We're a stat-friendly podcast. Yeah, we really are. Last year I made, like, I did, like, did real big stats on, like, the subgenres yeah. and, and things. Now for superlatives or superlatives. <laughs> the first You're one's going to be... <laughs> The first one's going to be most uncomfortable listen. I did this category last year. Yes. And I didn't think I was going to repeat it a second year, but boy, did I need to. So this, we like to listen to a lot of audiobooks. So this would Thanks, be- Thanks, Libby. The, yes, this would be the audiobook that was the most difficult to listen to. So Spencer, what was yours? Last year was um, Huckleberry Finn read by uh, Frodo Baggins. Mm. I'm blanking on the actor's actual name. And that one was uncomfortable because there's Frodo saying the N-word a bunch. Oh, yeah. This one is in a similar vein, but worse, it's from the author uh, Mirakami. He's one of my favorites. And it's Colorless Tezuru Tazaki in his years of pilgrimage. And, you know, I'm not going to actually name the translator. I don't want to attack this man. Okay. But um, so this is the first Mirakami book I ever read. So I a special place in my heart. And while I was waiting for a different Mirakami book to become available on Libby, this, I saw this one. So I was like, I'll just re-listen to this. I haven't list- read it in a couple years. I was getting through the book, and the narrator's fine. And then he he starts sounding like he's doing like an Asian accent. And the book is Japanese, but mm-hmm. like there's, it's translated. It's all they're speaking English. So like they shouldn't have an accent necessarily, because why would they have a Japanese accent if they're speaking English? Right. But I'm like, am, no, I'm just being racist or, like, so, or, you know, like, I'm just hearing things. And then we get to a point, and I kid you not, this this man says courage, oh. like a stereotypical Asian accent that they used to do on late night television you can't do anymore. Right. And he keeps doing it, and I swear it gets worse throughout the book. He just starts doing the, the, the L's for R's thing. Oh, no. And then I, but I was like, I have to see this book through. Like, I just got to finish it. And... The worst part is that at one point, the main character goes to, uh, I think, Sweden. He goes to Scandinavia. And this first Scandinavian character he meets, I kid you not, does like a Swedish chef, like, hurga durga hurga accent. And I was like, this guy's insane. Who let this man record this entire book like this? And I won't say the the narrator's name, but he is of Asian descent, but he's from Washington State. So, like, he's from Seattle, I believe. Gotcha. So, like, there's no reason for, he doesn't have an accent. Right. As far as I could tell. That's rough. But instead of outing him, I will shout out Rupert Degas. Degas. He did the voice for uh, the Wind Up Bird Chronicles, Uh Mirakami book I was waiting for. And he did a fantastic job. I love his voice. I love how he reads Mirakami. And I read another short story collection of Mirakamis. And each short story had a different voice actor or Mm -hmm. narrator. Mm -hmm. And once it got to him, I was like, oh, he's just killing it. Like, I... I don't like those other ones as much. I was so happy when it got back to him. Wow. So shout out to him. If you listen to Wind Up Bird Chronicles on Libby, I recommend it. It's a good it's a good audio experience. Excellent. Um, so at least you finished yours. Yeah. <laughs> I did not finish mine. So my most uncomfortable listen was The X Hex by Aaron Sterling. And again, I won't I won't mention the narrator either, but um, they made the decision to not give the Welsh character a Welsh accent. Did they do other accents? No, it was all American accents. And it was just so badly done that I could not finish it. It it was because also this guy uses like British mannerisms. Right. like, Like he says things in a way that 
doesn't sound right in like American, American like, accent. Like, yeah, you wouldn't say mate or something, you know. Right, we don't say that. Yeah. Um, and so it really just took me out of the whole story, which mm. is a bummer because it sounded like it was going to be cute, uh, but I couldn't do it. But, I love that title, the X Hex. No, fun. yeah, I was like, this is a perfect little rom com for October, mm-hmm. you know. But it was awful. Uh, the sec, I do have a runner up, one that I did finish, and it was The Secret History by Donna Tart, <sighs> and the narrator was female, which is fine. That fits in with the character and how the books. Yeah, written. even though the narrator in the book is a male, but yeah. it, it's fine. But if you read um, the book, it, it kind of makes it kind of works. The problem I could see that. here again was with the accent. I yeah, just couldn't. It was so bad. Get to it because the character is supposed to be like from California, mm-hmm. uh, and then moves to like Vermont, but. I couldn't even place this person's accent. They were doing, there's a name for it, but it was like that old timey actor accent yeah, from like, like the 30s. Chap. I'm like, oh, hey, see, you know, we got yeah. she was like half doing that. It was so But strange. it was rough. It was just rough. And then she spoke really slowly. Jess was showing me clips of this because this is my favorite book. Mm-hmm. And she was reading it for our uh, book club we're in. And I was so disappointed because I'm like, no, I, I want you to have a better audiobook experience than that. No, it was terrible. Yeah. yeah. And she was so when the narrator was speaking, it was really slow. But then anytime anybody else was speaking, it was super sped up. Ugh. And so I wanted to put it at like 1.2 speed, mm-hmm. but then it would just race past the other people. It was just it was terrible. It was a rough time. And I'm, yeah. I'm sorry for you. Yeah. So I've decided I'm going to record myself reading The Secret History out loud so Jess can experience it. We're not doing that. All right, fine. The next category is, I read that this year? The Most Forgettable Award. Oh, I read that this year? And oh, I did read that this year. So when yeah. you go over your Goodreads list and you're like, oh, yeah, I, that, that book happened. Mm-hmm. Mine is About Time, A History of Civilization in Twelve Clocks by David Rooney. So this guy, this author, he was on a, a podcast Jess and I listen to a lot called You're Dead to Me, and it's a British podcast. They have a host. They take a, a historian, a comedian. They talk about a subject, and so they have... It's a very fun banter. It's very cute. It's a very fun way to learn about cool history stuff. And this guy was on it, and they're talking about clocks. And he talked about his book, and I was like, oh, this is going to be a cool book. It's going to be like people's relationship to time and the understanding of time throughout you know generations and, so, and different cultures and stuff and like how that affects us and... It, it was just about clocks. <laughs> it was literally like it was a little bit of that stuff, like how like sundials, time, and clock timekeeping like changed work life. But it was mostly about the mechanics of clock. What like, a bummer! Like he came from a clock making family, and I am just not a mechanically inclined person. I see. Uh, so I was just like, I don't, I don't really care about clocks that I, much. I would probably feel the same. Yeah. What well, What was yours? Mine was a veil of truth and trickery. So that like, sounds forgettable. On paper, like it's it's got all the things that I like, but it was just. Did you read it on paper? No. Oh, well, there's your problem. It was just a very mid rendition of a fantasy romance with all the tropes I enjoy. It just wasn't hitting the right notes for me, and I don't know what it was mm. particularly about it. It's the first in a series, and I don't intend on finishing the series. Hey, gotta know when to quit. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So next up is the I Will Judge It by the Cover Award, which is for the best book covers. And we both have the same author. Yeah. So we both chose Rainbow Rowell. Mm -hmm. um, But the book I chose was Carry On, which Mm -hmm. I literally picked up because it looked so pretty. And then you were like, oh, you'd like that. You should read it. That was a book I've been wanting, I've been meaning to tell you about for a while. But I picked Eleanor and Park by Rainbow Rowell. We'll post them on our social media. 
I don't want to like try to describe the covers because it's just not going to go well. Yeah, but it's bright and colorful. Mine is at least. Just, well, just is very colors. bright and colorful. I'm a very minimalism type cover guy. Like yeah. my favorite book cover ever is Me Earl and the Dying Girl because mm-hmm. it's. If you know what it looks like, it's just very simple, and I think it's perfect and cute. And 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 this book is just the two. It's like a. It's oh, it's honestly kind of similar to our podcast logo. Now that I think yeah, about it, yeah, it it's is. just the headshots, uh, cartoon headshots of the main characters. But it's very cute. The next mm-hmm. category is spread the love, which is the most giftable book. So these are books that we would see ourselves like basically telling anyone to yeah. read. Birthday presents, book clubs. Yeah, these are these are crowd pleasers. But quality crowd pleasers. It's something besides Gillian Flynn you can read in a book club. Mm-hmm. My pick was The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Probably most of you have read this. It's I would dare say it's pretty popular. Yeah. I but if so. you haven't, it's a great book to give to someone who's not a big reader. Right. I know several people in my life who aren't huge readers that have read this book and loved it. So, so like this book, like, I don't know how long it will stay with me personally as a book. It's not quite my kind of thing. But it's succinctly written. It's a, it's a compelling story. It's it's very relevant to modern day, and it comes with just enough twists, and it's got just enough sex in it to keep you just flapping those pages over and going to the end. And it's a very lovely book. It's a great crowd pleaser. I need to read it. You would like it. It is sad though, and I don't. I know you don't like sad. Yeah, I try to avoid it most times. So my most giftable book was the Anthropocene Reviewed by yes. John Green. This is the most giftable book. It is. Like, I didn't read it this year, so I couldn't put it, but it it is a perfect gift book. It's enjoyable for everyone. So this yeah. this book made me love being like a human on this planet. It's just an excellent read for a time when you need some perspective on like the crazy and overwhelming feelings that life brings. Yeah, you want to cry about Dr. Pepper? You will. You will. You will yeah. get you to cry about the history of Dr. Pepper. Like, right now, I'm telling all of you, you should read it if you haven't read it. There's a chapter on the mountain goats. I'll just say that. It's true. Yeah. So you knew I enjoyed it. And I I listened to a lot of this, which is narrated by John Green himself. And I think he does an excellent job. So I would also yeah. recommend that for people who want to listen to something on the way to work. Yeah. And it's it's also a, a podcast. It yes. started as a podcast and he developed it into a book. Yeah. So some of the chapters like I'd heard before or a version mm-hmm. of them from his podcast, because mm-hmm. I did listen to it. There's a lot more to it. I'll just say the Mountain Goats chapter, obviously great. The Staphylococcus aureus chapter is fascinating. I love it. That's a good one. As a microbiology guy. but Sunset's got to me. Sunset's got to me and all anxiety as we started is... absolutely made me gray. uh, That is a tear, a jerker. Yes, I would say in in preps for the new year that Mm -hmm. that chapter specifically is a good one to read. I would say if, if... if anything, listen to that episode of the podcast if you want to know if you might like this. Yeah. And if you enjoyed that, you'll enjoy the book. Absolutely. Excellent choice, Jess. Thank you. I, I love it. So now we're getting to more of the uh, best ofs awards. Yeah, we're, we're done the, talking about the bad stuff. We're, stop, we're not being silly anymore. Yeah. Silly categories. No, it's... It's the best audible experience, which from now on we are dubbing the Stephen Fry Excellence in the Oratory Arts Award or Sifua Sifua Excellent Award. Unsurprisingly, this year this award goes to Stephen Stephen Fry's mythology trilogy. Excellent read when you're falling asleep. And if you guys don't know Stephen Fry, he's a British. Gosh, like what? Uh, ev- uh, every man. Yeah. Uh, what, what's the term? A the jack of all trades. Like jack. A, a jack of all trades. He's jacking all the trades. 
That I didn't I did not mean that sexually. <laughs> uh but he he does the audiobooks for all the Harry Potter series in the British the versions. UK versions. Yeah. yeah. And then but he also is is a host of TV shows. Yes. He also narrates documentaries. Mm-hmm. He's kind of a do it all. Yeah, he's like a he's kind of like a Neil deGrasse Tyson. He's a professional intelligent person he's just a smart guy and he tells people about things but he's so good like read those books we will be talking about them later so i'll just leave it at that but but... his voice got has a nice like cozy feel to it yes a warm feel but it's still fun it's not like uh yeah it's not like an asmr like kind of like comfort thing is it's very engaging but it's very comforting like you said you could fall asleep to it in the best way. Right. So mine is, I feel like the person who narrated my choice mm-hmm. is like same par as Stephen Fry. I think in terms He's of right entertainment up there. value. He's right up there. Uh, I, I chose The Vile Village by Lemony Snicket. It's narrated by, what's his name? Tim Curry. Sorry, it's narrated by Tim Curry. I went through like five Tims in my brain before I got to the right one. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, by Tim Curry. Who so good. Who is such a great performer. This man's coughing effect. We talked about it in our Vile Village episode but the way he does a cough so good he does such a good cough it's so great yeah no and and everything else about it because one of one of my worst listens actually was um maybe the second or the third book before tim curry joined on there was a different narrator i did not like as much i couldn't stand the way that he was saying things it was just Mm -hmm. super annoying but then as soon as i heard this one specifically Wow, I mm-hmm. I'm so excited to listen to the next one because yeah. I know it's going to be a good performance. I listened a bit uh, to the Tim Curry Vile Village audio, and it's so good. Excellent choice. Yeah, he's right up there with Stephen Fry. Mm-hmm. So the next category is Stop It. You're making me blush. Mm-hmm. It's the sexiest book award. Yes, or sexiest moment in a book. Right, the one that made you blush. It made you blush. Mine was Odd Girl Out by Anne Bannon. For those of you who don't know, I'm becoming a bit of a connoisseur of uh, Sapphic. Sapphic? <laughs> yeah, Sapphic, I think, is a different thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not Sapphic. Uh, Sapphic. <laughs> I'm reading sapphic only literature. books about people with syphilis now. Uh, no, uh, Sapphic literature or lesbian Which literature. Which is so funny because yes. I've read an outrageous number of male mm-hmm. gay books this year. It's just, it, it just it's a vibe. Two, we're two peas in a... A queer pod. This year ended up being the LGBTQ plus. It year. definitely wasn't the year of the bear like we uh, no. t- started it as. Which is fine. <laughs> Which is for the best. But um, but Odd Girl is it's a book from I believe the sixties, maybe seventies. But it's a very early, very groundbreaking work of LGBT based fiction, and it's it's very tame. Which is kind of why I like it. It's very sweet. No, you don't get any descriptions of sex, but, but it's sometimes it's, it's that's the best, best part too. Because when you start getting detailed with the erotica, it just you lose the plot, I think, and then it starts just getting gross, and just, and you can tell when a man's writing it because no, he focuses I agree. because. I won't get it. We'll save it for Kinky and Thinky because yes. we have some opinions on this. But I will say things that are tame, mm-hmm. it has a greater effect. But also if you have like a slow burn, mm-hmm. those are the best as well. So that when you finally get it at the end, it's Ugh. like, oh my goodness. Or when finally. they get it, the characters exactly. get it. Exactly, yeah. So I would say those two things. It's very sweet. It's very uh, gut-wrenching at moments because... <sighs> You know, it's a girl discovering she's gay oh. and she's fallen for a girl who's very much bisexual. And 
and there's just a lot there, but it's very sweet. It's very interesting. And the author, I, her foreword to it was very lovely. It just talking about, or she stayed in um, the gay district. I think there's a name for it, but the gay district in New York at the time. And she made all these great friends in that community. And she really discovered herself. And she's so proud of the impact her books had. And it's very lovely. It's very inspirational. It's a very groundbreaking book. Nicely done. And it's sexy. <laughs> so what was yours, Jess? So mine is a rather spicy book. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not entirely. It's one of those where, you know, you have spice sprinkled in with the plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but, okay, so it's The War of Two Queens, which is the Blood and Ash number four book by Jennifer L. Armentrout. Love the name Armentrout. Yeah. I will say, if you plan to read this book and you don't want any spoilers, maybe like skip ahead 15, 30 seconds, yeah. because here comes a spoiler. Literally, this entire series, they've been building up a threesome. Oh, you've told me about this, yes. right? Yes, they've been building it up, this and, and it finally happened. And Aren't I they think, like animals in this too? Mm, or they can turn into- Some are shifters, okay. yes. Um, but- They've just been teasing it this whole time. I will say this book isn't on... This book used to be, like, my favorite series. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of veered off quite a bit. Mm. It's just not giving what it needs to give. However, I did enjoy that it gave me that bit. Is it like uh, the office effect after Jim and Pam get together where you just kind of lose that tension? Or is it just... Not, well, kind of, but also, like, the plot just goes, like, way out of the left field. You're uh, like, whoa, who's this big bad? Like, they're hardly hinted. Ah. Uh, um, at least in the first few books. I don't know. DSS Machina, you might say. Yeah, and then there's a lot of things that are just, I don't know, kind of don't sit right. So, yeah, it, it was my favorite, but then it's kind of, it's lost its luster a bit. I am still mm-hmm. going to finish reading the series, so okay. it's not done, but. I mean, you're already four books in. Yeah, exactly. You gotta, you gotta close And it then out. there's like another book series that oh, no. it ties in. So now. <laughs> you're trapped. Have, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Our next award is the I'm Not Crying, You're Crying, the Saddest Book Award. Mm. Uh, mine. A book a lot of our audience has probably read, uh, The Song of Achilles, it's it's just a straight-up tearjerker. Like, the whole book's just leading you to a cry. Again, like Evelyn Hugo, I don't know how much this book's going to stay with me as a novel. It's not the best piece of writing I've ever read, but... once you're, When you're in it and you're in the story, it gets you. It's a yeah. sad it's a sad book. I have to be in the mood for that. Yeah. Lately, I haven't been. Yeah, I had to wait to finish it because I knew it was going to be sad, and I had to wait till I was like in a space, like you know, don't listen to the end of this on the way to work or something. <laughs> right. I yeah, exactly. Um, mine I chose came came at me by surprise. I didn't mm. expect th- to get so emotional over this book. It was uh, Gideon the Ninth by Tanzan Muir. I think is how you say it. It's a lot of Gideons. It's really complex world a lot of different characters that it was a little difficult to keep track of um but I if was you're also, saying that that must be but i was also listening to audiobook oh that too. yeah that's harder yeah. but i was going back and forth but a lot of what helped me is i i found this fan art of all the different characters um, oh yeah i do that sometimes so i can picture them like okay they're saying this person's name who is that okay that's what they look like and then eventually i got to it but it, it was quite a bit mm-hmm. i will say but it's about necromancers 
essentially space necromancers. Oh. <laughs> yes. So it's got that sci-fi part that I usually don't go for. But yeah, yeah, you're not a space girl. But then you have like the necromancers, so you got mm-hmm. a bit of this fantasy action happening, and I think it does it really well. The ending, though, just took me completely by surprise, mm. even though like... It wasn't, like, out of nowhere, but it was just, oh, my God, and it destroyed me. And I remember, <laughs> like, maybe a week or so later, I was on TikTok, and I saw someone, like, reacting to it, and I just broke down sobbing. I think I remember this. I was like, what is happening to me? Like, I was so emotional. I want to cry now thinking about it, that I literally couldn't can't pick up the next book, because I'm like... I don't want to read it anymore. <laughs> I feel you, babe. But I feel it was you. so good. Uh, also, I called dibs on the title Necro Romancer. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm writing it. I like that. I know you'll buy it. <laughs> Our next category or award is the Ships Ahoy or Best Couple Award. I picked, once again, Eleanor and Park by Rainbow Rowell. It's just, it's just a wonderfully sweet and honest and embarrassing story in the best ways and it just perfectly captures the pitfalls of young love it might be a too too awkward at moments for you jess um i don't know how much that affects you in books but it does but it's very sweet it's such a sweet story and john green has a blurb on the book cover it's it's a great line from him uh, he says, this book not only reminded me what it was like to fall in love, but what it was like to fall in love with the book. I was like, John Green, first off, if I got that blurb from him as an author, I'd be I like, would I, I incinerate would send on spot. I would send him the finest champagne because I'm like, you just sold me like a thousand copies of this book with that blurb. That is a great line. Holy shit. <laughs> uh, yeah. crap, no, bleep that. But then I read another book <laughs> the very end of this year, which is your pick. Oh, I really... Okay. That was the last book I read this year. Okay, yes. Yeah, which so, came in f- from the top rope to, like, come in for the crown. Exactly. Well, I will say uh, my runner-up, it's a bit of a tie, but my runner-up would be Carry On by Rainbow well, Rowell. Rowell again. So go read any of her stuff. She's great. It's literally great so good. There. And it's so funny that that's my second one because my first choice is Heartstopper by uh, Alice Oz- Oseman. Uh, and I... I don't know what, again, as I'm saying, this is the year of LGBTQ+. This is the year of gay boys. Yeah, but these are so good. Um, so good, Heartstopper, it's just like if you ever want like a warm and fuzzy feeling, and again, you're talking about like make you feel like you're falling in love. Like that's my yes. favorite thing to read. Um, and this one does it so well because it's a graphic novel. Um, so you're seeing pictures, and I really, I sucked these down. So quickly, I could not stop reading them. Yeah, it's. I read it in like a day. I think it's so good. It's, yeah. a, it's a graphic novel. I don't know if we said that. Yeah, I did say that. And it's that. based on the so, okay, yeah, side character. Yeah, okay. Uh, so okay, this book captures the feeling of falling in love along with like the anxieties of high school and coming out to your peers. And it's a wonderful story about two adorable characters that you can't help but root for. Now, the author originally wrote a novel about this one girl and a lot of the fans of the novel wanted to know backstory on this main character's brother who had a boyfriend and they were like cute couple. Um, So then that's where Heartstopper comes in. That's the kind of backstory of these two characters and how they met and fell in love. And it's just so sweet. 
it is so sweet. It's it can't even stand it. We started watching the TV show. Yeah, and, and the TV show's pretty good, but the comic, the way it's drawn, it's beautiful. You guys gotta check it out. It's yeah. so good. All right, so next our Page Turner Award, just the most page. I mean, it explains itself. I need yeah. to stop over explaining everything. Exactly. But Page Turner Award for me goes to Crooked Kingdom by Lee Bardugo. I mean, it's everything you want in a fantasy thriller book. I think her, the first book, Six of Crows, maybe technically I would say is better. Only in that the incredible feat she does of introducing so many characters, so much lore, backstory, relationships, while maintaining like a thriller pace is unbelievable. But Crooked Kingdom is just an absolute, the sequel is just an absolute joy to read. It builds on the first book and on all the great characters and adds twist after twist. And it's just so fun. Such a fun read. I'm going to talk about it a little more later, but such a great book. No, I also enjoyed that book. And I think I would choose the same for my answer, except um, I want to take this opportunity to highlight Mm -hmm. another worthy page turner. So I'll say that uh, my choice is House of Sky and Breath by Sarah J. Mass. It's the Mm -hmm. second in the Crescent City series. And honestly, it's just insane how much world building went into both this book and its predecessor. And this one honestly has similar pacing, Mm -hmm. I feel like, to Crooked Kingdom or like how Lee Bardugo tends to do it where a lot of stuff happens at the end. The end is just super fast-paced, and it feels the same way with Crescent City. So our final superlative is the quote of the year. Mm -hmm. And mine comes from none other than our boy, Lemony Snicket. There you go. the best line I read all year. That, of course, I'm not counting Gatsby or The Secret History, which are my favorite books, but I read them every year, so that wouldn't be fun if I just did the same quotes from them every year. It is a curious thing, the death of a loved one. We all know that our time in this world is limited, and that eventually all of us will end up underneath some sheet, never to wake up. And yet, there's always a surprise when it happens to someone we know. It's like walking up the stairs to your bedroom in the dark and thinking there is one more stair than there is. Your foot falls down through the air, and there's a sickly moment of dark surprise as you try to readjust the way you thought of things. So, so well put. So well put. And we've had, to say the least, a heck of a year. Uh, yeah. A lot's happened in our personal lives this year. We're, we're fine. But we've had a lot of sad moments this year, a lot of rough times. Yeah. And boy, does that quote really resonate with me at this particular moment. It's yeah. a great one. It's What's yours, one. Jess? Mine is from Bloodwater Paint by Joy McCullough. Um, that, uh, this is, I'll talk more about the book before, but uh, later before what i'll talk more about this book later but um this quote is on it's about the day that her mother dies she goes to sleep and she wakes up and ends up starting her period and it says i thought at first i'm dying too i was i am but this expiration will linger and stretch meander across the months and years until there's nothing left of me to drain oh wow what the heck? That's amazing. It's really good. Jesus. This that's bo- so good. This book is a novel in verse. Um, oh, this one. Oh, I got to read this. That's it was right. really good. And I wow. will talk about it in my top five. Wow. Okay. Well, that's the that's our superlatives. So now we're going to get into... 
our top five of the year, our yeah. big five books. So, so Spencer, you're going to go ahead first. Give me your number five through two. So for number five, I have The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich, A History of Nazi Germany by William L. Shearer. Uh, that was the book, the 1600-page book I talked about earlier. Yeah. And so this book was released uh, just 15 years after the end of World War II, and she- uh, Shearer was one of the first people to attempt to provide a kind of comprehensive and I mean comprehensive chronicling of the Nazi party's rise and fall. And it, I mean, if there's one word to describe this book, it is exhaustive. It sheer falls the history of German nationalism dating back all the way to Martin Luther. Yes. The 95 uh, theses, Martin Luther. Really? And, and how the German culture, the history of the German culture led them to be able to have the Nazis rise to power. And, and, you know, he makes some points, and I don't know how much I believe all of that. Like, I don't know how much I believe in, like, I, I don't know. I think he paints a bit of a broad picture with the Germanic people in that sense. But this book, it covers everything about the Nazi party, and it is a, an amazing read. It is long, obviously, but, man, you get sucked into it. It, it it's, just, it's just an amazing nonfiction piece of work, and it's the, I think most people consider the seminal World War II history book, and deservedly so at least for the european theater excellent uh next is mythos by stephen fry another one we talked about earlier this is the first in his mythology mythology trilogy like we said he's just a fantastic storyteller he he's got like the soothing voice of your favorite grandparent reading to you as you go to sleep but he's also brings these these ancient greek stories to life in a contemporary way they feel real but honest to their origins at the same time and I just highly recommend to anyone who wants to learn more about Greek mythology, or it's a great prerequisite if you want to better understand, like, the Iliad or any of the other Greek plays or stories, yeah. or even, like, to have background info for, like, Percy Jackson or Song of Achilles. Like, it's just, especially the Song of Achilles, because he has a whole book on the Trojan War mm-hmm. with Achilles, and that helped me so much with reading Song of Achilles, because I had such a better context for everything. I just found it super helpful for keeping track of mythology, and it's just, again, it's a great read. My number three is Crooked Kingdom by Lee Bardugo. I pretty much said it all before, but it's just a fun read. It's so good. If you haven't read the Reshaverse trilogy... The, the uh, not the Song of Shadow Ice and Fire, and Bone. Shadow and Bone. <laughs> There's so many somethings and somethings out there. There's so many nouns of nouns. This is the side story to the Shadow and Bone series. I would still say read Shadow and Bone trilogy first because they're fantastic. But man, these are even better somehow. Shout out to the Into the Fold podcast because yeah. they got me into this series, both of us. Yeah. And I fell in love with the Grishaverse trilogy. And I was like, and they're like, Six of Crows, Crooked Kingdom are better. I was like, no way. They're better. They're so good. Oh, yeah. Such fun reads. Such like perfect fantasy excitement action thrillers. Perfect. And then my number two, another book I mentioned earlier, but it's The Wind Up Bird Chronicle by Haruki Murakami. From a New York Times article, I just found this description very well put, and it's a hard book to describe, so I'm stealing this. But it quotes this part detective story, part Bildungsroman. Part fairy tale, part science fiction meets Lewis Carroll. A building's Roman is a coming of age story. Love that. It's hard to describe this book, and it's about as close as you can get. It's a weird book. It's a mag- magical realism type tale, oh, but God. it's about this guy Toru Okada. Sorry for my terrible pronunciation. Who is just this nobody at a Tokyo law firm that quit his job, and one day he leaves his house to find him and his wife's cat. 
that has gone missing and he suddenly just finds himself in this zany weird adventure and his wife also ends up disappearing and there's all these people that show up in his life and it's about you know middle age becoming middle age but also coming of age and finding yourself and cats and it's wonderful <laughs> And out of all the Mirakami books, it has, I think, the fewest uncomfortable sex scenes. Okay. So that's a plus. Oh, good. That's good to know. <laughs> all right. Well, that's my top four. Jess, what are yours? Okay. Well, my number five is going to be a series. It's the entire Ruthless Boys of the Zodiac series. You told me of the Zodiac. I didn't know it was called the Ruthless Boys of the Zodiac. That's fantastic. Okay. So that's like the name of the series. Now, I w- these are by two sisters that I mentioned earlier. Okay, and so this is also by sisters Caroline Peckham and Suzanne Valenti. The original series is the Zodiac Academy series, and that involves like two twin uh, sisters who grew up in the human world, and it turns out they're fae, and they get plunged into this new world, and they go to school, some like magic college or whatever. Anyway, so I started reading that one. I read a little bit, I, most of it last year, a little bit this year, um, but in the same world... Zodiac Academy is the Ruthless Boys of the Zodiac. I love Ruthless Boys. That's so fun. Yes. The thing about Zodiac Academy is that it is sort of like not meeting expectations so far. I'm reading book eight and I just feel like it's gone on too long. But this one, the Ruthless Boys series, it takes place in the same universe as Zodiac Academy. So I have all of the parts of that universe that I love, which it's, it is really kind of interesting. You have, uh, they're all, all fae are shifters and they shift into different things and they replenish their magic in different ways based on how they shift and blah, blah, blah. It's a lot and it's really cool. So mm-hmm. I get that same universe, but this one, The Ruthless Boys, is only five books Whereas the original Only. series is going to be nine books. Oh, God. So, and <laughs> this is why I don't read more fantasy. <laughs> and part of what I don't like about the nine books is that this most recent one, 1,200 pages, On right? The eighth book. That There's is wild. so many scenes that could be cut that I'm just like, this I, has no yeah. reason to be here. This is It's kind of like when you go to like an Avengers movie and you're like, this is for the fans. Like This has no reason being in this right. movie otherwise. Yeah. But hopefully it doesn't, like, it's not just boring. Right. Well, sometimes it is. In in the Zodiac Academy, I'm like, you could have wrapped this up a little bit. I would argue that I don't know if there's any series that deserves 9,000 page books. I don't know if there's any story that's worth telling at that length. No, it's a little outrageous. (laughs) So this one follows Elise Callisto, so just one person instead of like several. And she is a fae vampire shifter who uh, seeks to find her brother's killer and avenge his death. Her main suspects are four ruthless boys of the academy. This is a different academy. This is the rundown academy. So they're on the wrong side of the tracks. Whoa, don't know. Watch out. They're all like bad boys, right? Well, they're ruthless. This is a reverse harem, meaning all four of them are her love interests. And it's very spicy, but it's also very funny and heartbreaking in all the good ways. And I found it to be quite the enjoyable read. So next up, I have The Witch's Wolves by Ellie Mae McGregor. I did mention this earlier, but it's literally the sweetest thing I've read all year. It is a cute little erotica novella, and it's about a thruple, two werewolves and a witch, and it takes place in a little cabin in the woods, and it's just, it's so sweet. It sounds cozy. It is very cozy, and it's very cute, and I really enjoyed it. It was only, what, like 54 pages or however many 
it was just really cute. And so I thought, if you ever need something really cute and you're into that, read that. That sounds lovely. Yeah. Um, and so then number three, I have Heartstopper, which I mentioned earlier, but just... Yeah. It's so good. It's right up there for me. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And then number two is going to be Daughter of No World by Carissa Bro- Broadbent. This is the <laughs> first in a trilogy. Mm. Uh, the trilogy is called The War Just of three books Arts. week. Well, I haven't finished them, <laughs> but this is just the first one, and I absolutely loved it. It's a finished trilogy, and it has such expert like character building. The story follows Tizana, a former slave and adept magic wielder. She manages to escape her enslaved life, and in an effort to save someone she loves very dearly, she travels to another country to join the Orders. The Orders are a large and powerful organization of magic wielders. Once she arrives, they agree to train her, but places her in an apprenticeship with Maxentarius, a moody but incredibly gifted magic wielder who absolutely despises the Orders. Fantastic names. Yes, they are very good. And this is very well done. I listened to the audiobook as well as read it, like back and forth, and the narrator is excellent. This book gives it off expertly. Mm. I love it. Yeah. great. All right, now, big moment, our number one books of 2022. Mm -hmm. My favorite book this year that I read was Love in the Time of Cholera by Gabriel Garcia Marquez. It's a classic for a reason, you guys. Love in the Time of Cholera. Cholera? But am I turning into that (laughs) that narrator? (laughs) Uh, Love in the Time of Cholera is a love story set in a fictional town in Colombia in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And it follows two characters, Florentino Ariza, Ariza and Fermina Daza, who fall in love in their early 20s, but through a series of circumstances and you know, family dynamics, blah, blah, blah. Romeo and Juliet-esque situations beyond their control, they can't get married, and Fermina ends up marrying Dr. Juvenal Urbino, a wealthy and prominent doctor in the town. It's just, it's an epic tale. Like, it is truly, it spans decades, it spans their entire lives of these two main characters. So through it, you see how Florentino and Fermina and their views on love change over time, and eventually culminating in them, in their reunion at the twilight of their lives. And it's just, it's epic and it's intense but it's beautifully told through Marquez's prose and the story is long and perhaps maybe longer than it strictly needs to be but it allows you to just fall into this world and you can fully empathize and understand these characters as especially Florentino as he spends these decades pining after his lost love and he never gets over her and he's waits his entire life to be with her at the very end. Mm. I'm getting emotional. Yeah. The book setting is, is as enchanting as its characters, is, is as enchanting and as complicated as its characters. It's just full of birds and flowers and rivers, contrasted wonderfully by swarming insects and disease. And loving the time at Cholera, what I really like about it is that it isn't afraid to acknowledge the difficulties and the pain of love, almost to the point of cynicism at times. You begin to think the author doesn't believe in love, but the story's always pulled forward by a through line of hope, and it's aided by these little touches of magical realism, 
which just heighten the story and make it this kind of operatic ode to the idea of love in every possible form. And it is, it's just a gorgeous book. Oh my God. I, I don't know if it's for everyone. It's a very novel, it's a very literature book, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's a little dry, but it's lovely. And it has by far the best old people sex scene I've ever written or read you've ever written (laughs) (laughs) Uh I just gave myself away uh it's beautiful absolutely gorgeous I love uh, that well your review is very convincing oh thank you thank you uh he's a wonderful author good I love Latin Latin America literature it's so good Mm. so good well my first my number one is Blood Water Paint by Joy McCullough. And so I can this see is, why. Just from the one excerpt, I, I'm going to read that soon. It is very, very good. It is a, a novel in verse, so it's all poetry. Most of it's poetry. It actually switches back and forth between poetry and prose in some ways whenever she's recalling mm-hmm. her mother's stories. So this follows Artemisia Gentileschi. I think I'm saying that right. I, I like the name. She's an accomplished Baroque painter living in 17th century Rome. She's not good at it? No, she is accomplished. But you said she's broke. No, Baroque. Oh. Uh-huh. Sorry mm-hmm. for my terrible pun ruining your review. I'll, yes, thank I will you. never talk again. Okay. Um, but this is actually based on real events from Artemisia. Artemisia's life. Or Artie. Yeah. Um, this novel tells the story of her struggles of living as a woman in a male-centric society. Stories of her mo- of stories of her father's mistreatment, being sexually assaulted by her painting tutor, and the subsequent trial seeped in misogyny is interwoven with cautionary tales and lessons from her mother in the past that all come together to create this powerhouse of a poetry novel. So so, wow, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> despite the events of this story taking place over 400 years ago, it resonates so well with the struggles of women oh. that we still have to face oh, today. I, was, I know you said Baroque, but I, I was imagining a contemporary novel this whole time. No. Very interesting. No, she, she lived 400 years ago, oh. and this is a story of her life. Wow, okay. And as a woman, I find this book to be, you know, the most meaningful that I've read in a very long time. Um, it provides a woman's perspective to the biblical tales of Susanna and Judith, challenging the narrative that I had in, mm-hmm. the, in my mind regarding these women's stories and making me consider what becomes erased when a man tells a woman's story in his words. Mm-hmm. Um, additionally, the difficult topics addressed in this novel are done so respectfully um, and are important lessons that need to be told. So I think it was a very captivating book and it makes me want to recommend it to everyone that i know absolutely gonna read that very soon that sounds gorgeous and that one excerpt was oh oh my gosh yeah oh my gosh that's real good there's a lot of that everywhere it's it's very well done wow that sounds fantastic. Well, I love all your picks. Thank you. I'm very happy with our books this year. Uh, I, I don't am know, too. but at least I am with mine. All right. Well, that's kind of the main part of our episode. Uh, there's a few things I did want to cover on our last New Year special. I talked about I was doing a non-book related challenge we called it the Thinking Man's Triple Double, <laughs> where I was going to read 50, well, 52 books, watch 50 movies, and then read or listen to 100 albums. I still have like half a movie left on that front. Okay. Uh, I smashed the albums one like June. I was way past that. I listened Excellent. to a lot of music. <laughs> um, 
But so my favorite album this year, just real quick, is Hallowed Ground by the Violent Femmes. Just somehow I've just gotten into a 80s college rock. I've just fallen in that hole. It's it actually makes a lot of sense because it's like an proto alt rock. Also, it's like kind of a softer punk kind of. It's artsy punk. I've just fallen into a, a whole hole with that. That album features one of Jess's favorite songs, uh, "Jesus Walking on the Water." Oh gosh, <laughs> a song I'm obsessed with that just can't stand. Yeah, I, uh, I do like the album though. The album's fantastic, <laughs> and some honorable mentions: "Bleed Out" by the Mountain Goats. Mm-hmm. I'm not just being a stan. I think it's the best album they've had five their last five years or so. It's really good. The Mountain Goats' latest album is fantastic. Um, and then also the Velvet Underground self-titled third album. That one was my writing album this year. Mm. I kind of find one every year. Last year was uh, Agalock album, an uh, atmospheric black metal band. So That's a bit right. of a different vibe. A bit. A bit of a different vibe. But yeah, so that, and then my uh, favorite movie of the year, it's not even close. It's everything everywhere all at once. It was so good. It's so good. We're actually about to watch it with your sister and her partner, our neighbors, and we're going to finish it so they can watch it. It's so good. It's, it's just a fun movie. I recommend it. I'm not going to tell you anything more about it. The yeah. less you know going in, the better. Yeah. Just watch, watch it. it. Just watch it. You're going to have a great time. So next year, yeah. what is going to be your book goal? My book goal? I'm going Hundo Books, baby. Hundo Books. Hundo Books. Okay. And included in that, I'm going to read every Shakespeare play. Excellent. Which leads me to an announcement that starting in the end of January... We are debuting two more podcasts. Yep. One we're both going to be doing called Kinky and Thinky, where I pick a piece of classic piece of literature. Jess p- picks one of her smutty, dirty books, and we try to convince each other to read it. It's a lot of fun. It's going to be explicit, but it's going to be a little dirty and naughty, but it's... we. We're still talking about books. We still love books. Yeah. Um, that's going to be in our Patreon. That's going to be a Patreon-exclusive one. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to have a solo podcast called... Regard the Bard, where I'm going to review all of the Shakespeare plays yes. and all a bunch of other background information about Shakespeare and his life and that world and that time, just to kind of figure out, is is Shakespeare deserving of how much we regard him, of his status as, like, the the guy, the writer, you know? So yeah. we're doing that. So those Very are gonna, excited yeah, for that. Yeah, those are going to both be through our Patreon, and we're so excited to give you the that to you so if you guys we do every other week for not seeing adults so if you want to hear us every week you can do that with our patreon but we'll give you more info information on that as we get there but Jess do you have any reading goals this year yes no announcements but um I was wondering if I wanted to lower my goal just because it was a little difficult this year but I think I'm going to continue on with 100 books okay I'm excited for you yeah I'm excited as well and I might try to mix a little bit more nonfiction, but I don't want to hold myself to anything I'm not going to set a specific challenge, but I want to read more poetry this next year. I want to get into that more. I think that's a bit of a blind spot. Yeah, I enjoyed the one poetry book that I read this year Mm -hmm. immensely, so I might be on board with that as well. I like that. And we we don't want to declare another year. I'm hesitant to after we declared... 2021 is or 2022 is the year of the bear Correct. right before the we will Ukrainian analyze war. after the fact and well, then dub it well we're gonna go if it's gonna be the year of the spear okay shakespeare that's with, true with the regard the bard yes but we're gonna we'll retroactively decide on a, a larger theme of 2023 at the end of it but just wrapping up real quick one more thing there's a lot of exciting 
YA book adaptations coming in 2023. So I just wanted to shout those out to you guys to look forward to because I didn't realize how many were coming out next year. It's going to be actually a very exciting year for YA adaptations. We have a Disney Plus show for American Born Chinese by Jean Luan Yang. Nice. It's a graphic novel. It won the uh, Prince Award in 2007. Okay. Prince Award is like the Pulitzer for for young adult books specifically. We also are going to get a movie for The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes by Suzanne Collins. Oh. That's a prequel to The Hunger Games. Okay. I didn't hear about that coming out at all. Me neither. We have confirmed for March 18th, Shadow and Bone season two. Very excited. Really liking the adaptation so far, except for one scene. Actually, oh, right. two with the Darkling. Yeah, that really pissed me yeah, off. But that's... that's for Into the Fold to talk about. And then also, there's no official date, but it's expected to come out in 2023, the movie adaptation of John Green's Turtles All the Way Down. I'm excited for that. Me too. I'm curious how they're going to make it a movie. It's a very internal monologue centric book like it's mm. kind of the point of book is about OCD and like dealing with your own internal monologue so I'm curious to see how they're going to make that a film yeah. but I'm excited um, we also have I didn't hear about this but The Uglies I don't know if you know that series <gasps> no! It's going to be a Netflix series. I loved The Uglies. Yeah, I never read it, but I oh, see it everywhere. I'm obsessed with anything Scott Westerfield. Yeah, so there's no official release date for that, but it is expected to come out sometime next year. But I'm very excited about that. I'd never heard about that happening. Yeah. And then also the one I'm most excited about, there's a movie adaptation of one of my favorite YA books, Dante and Aristotle Discover the Secrets of the Universe mm. by Benjamin uh, Allier Sayans. Again, no official release date, but it's already debuted at like the Toronto Film Festival. So it's going to come out sometime this year. But it's co-produced by Lin-Manuel Miranda no of way. Hamilton fame, wow. who I learned he did the audiobook for that book. So I, I might have that. to listen to his audiobook of that. Okay. I love that book. I love that book so much that I have not read the sequel because I'm scared of changing anything. Like it, It's funny. such a perfect story. It is very heart stopper esque. Okay. Well then I guess I'll have to read it. It's not as as, as sickly sweet as Heart Stopper. Mm-hmm. It is a, maybe a, a much more difficult version of that story. Yeah. But it is so good. It is wonderful. Definitely read that book, you guys. I think it'll make a good movie as well. I think that's it. I think we yeah. set our challenges. Hundred books each. That's gonna be a lot. I can't wait to not see any of my friends next year and, yeah. and be reading instead. So y'all stay tuned. Stay tuned. Thank you guys so much for listening. We appreciate it. Stay safe this New Year's. Um, I love you. Yeah, I, so I, do I. If I you, appreciate you listening this far. Yeah, if you guys come to our house, I will kiss you if you ask, but only if you ask. I'm like a vampire, but with kissing. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, I'm, and I'm sure everyone's buying their plane tickets at, right now. <laughs> Please stop me from talking. Okay. Uh, well, thank you guys. If you want to reach out to us, feel free to email us at nsyapod at gmail.com. Yeah, and you can find us on all the social medias at nsyapod, at Twitter, is, if it's still around, and Instagram. Yeah, and our yeah. Uh, intro song is by Alex Moon, Moon, and you can find him on Facebook as Alex Moon. Um, so, yeah. All right, guys. Thanks, well, have a good New Year's. Don't suck. Don't suck. Bye. One of my favorite moments in uh, Love in the Time of Cholera is Dr. Urbino, the doctor that she marries instead of her love. A few years into their marriage, he has an affair. 
because he does these checkups. He does visits to people's houses and he goes to this one lady and she just has such great boobs that he just loses his mind. Oh no. Like he just, her breasts break him completely. I'm never related to a character bore. (laughs) Like he just completely collapses and he gives up all of his morals. That's outrageous. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be me one day. (laughs) Okay. All right. Our food's here.